If you have your Bibles with me, I hope you have your Bibles with you this morning. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. We'll start with verse 16. Go to the end of the chapter. It's hard to believe that we've gone, well, after today we've gone through five chapters, got one left. And if we take out time for Thanksgiving and Christmas message and Christmas cantata, we'll finish bits and pieces of chapter 6 and uh, leave one Sunday left. And I've, I've, last Sunday with you, it's hard to believe that it's quickly approaching. I'm going to give you talk on preach on my life's verse. I've never done that before. It's funny. I've uh, it's been a my life's verse for fifty some years, um, and I'm looking forward to at least for preaching that message as my last message to you and what I want to leave with you, I think it's very important. Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26 today. Um, Let's uh, follow along as I read. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage... Selfies, ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. You notice as we read that text this morning, it becomes very obvious that Paul is talking about the fact that there is a battle that goes on inside a child of God. There's a battle zone in my life and in your life. It's an internal war. And it's a war with the sinful nature or the flesh as some translations have it versus the spirit. And every Christian faces that battle. Soon after an individual becomes a Christian, they realize that something's going on in their life that they didn't understand, something going on inside them. And and they really don't know how to handle it. Quite honestly, this is where good leadership within the church comes into play. The family, the church of God, is to take a new believer and tell them about this battle that's going to start real quickly how to deal with it, how to overcome it, and how to live victorious. We are to help every new Christian to understand that. Because if not, it's very easy for a new convert to return 
to the old life because they don't know how to fight the battle. Quite honestly, this battle goes on forever. We never get past it. Up to this point, Paul has been dealing with legalism and license. He has been clear, as in his teachings, that Christianity, becoming a Christian, is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. Paul has shown us and lets us know that every one of us are born sinners and there's absolutely nothing we can do to change that on our own. We have to come to grips with the fact that we are without hope, that we need a Savior, and the Scriptures teach us so clearly that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the only Savior. Paul also has let us know that the law really has no value in the Christian's life. Once we have established new life in Christ. And he says that basically because the law can never ever change the heart of an individual. It cannot change our motives in life. And so there's a battle between the old nature, the flesh, or the sinful nature... Versus the Spirit. The old nature says, I would do that if I could get by without it, without getting caught. I would do that. The new life says, I don't even want to go there. Sin creates in us a feeling that I just have to have this thing or that achievement to be complete and happy in my life. If only I had that, then I would be complete. I would be happy at that point in time. But anybody who's ever tried that understands that, does never, that has never made us complete or happy in life. What is, we experience at salvation is that the Holy Spirit of God comes and resides in our lives. He indwells us. And the Holy Spirit is in us to give us guidance and direction so that we can live our lives as we ought to live our life in this world. Writing to Romans, Paul says this in chapter 8, verse 9, You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So everyone who becomes a Christian has the Holy Spirit residing in them from that moment on. We have seen before as we've traveled through this book that the more we try to keep the law and try to keep rules and regulations to live by, we hinder the work of the Holy Spirit and, and it never helps us at all. We have to understand that there is a battle in us, a battle of the flesh, the old self, and the spirit. Notice in our text here today, Paul over and over again talks about the spirit being in control. Verse 16 and verse 25, he says, live or walk by the spirit, depending on what translation you have. Verse 18, he says, be led by the spirit. Verse 25, keep in step or walk by the spirit. In other words, he is shouting out to, to the church there that is battling legalism and license, if you really want to live in love, you need to live with a spirit in control of your life. If you want to live in victory, you have to live with the Holy Spirit guiding you each and every day. 
So let's look at this passage and see what it has to say to us about living in love and victory and living with the Spirit in control. Verses 16 through 18, again, he starts out by saying, live or walk by the Spirit. Now that's a present tense. That's, it means there's continuous action. So in other words, he is saying, this has to be or should be for you your habitual way of life. In other words, if you are a Christian today, your habitual habit in life is allowing the Holy Spirit in control of your life, directing you each and every day and each and every decision. So victory over sin is a direct result of how much we are yielded to the Holy Spirit in our life. So if you're struggling with sin today, if you're struggling with some temptation and continually falling back into it, it means you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in your life as you ought. A person who tries to find victory over sin by our human power, we end up putting our focus upon the sin. And you know what that does for us? It makes us even want two more go back into the sin that we've focused on instead of the Holy Spirit giving us the ability to overcome. Leads us right back into yielding to the temptation and the sin that plagues us. So we are to submit to the Holy Spirit to let Him work in our lives so we are being controlled by Him. Now, I want you to notice something that's interesting in this text. The battle he's talking about is primarily within us. It's not with the devil. Now, he's our enemy. Don't make any mistake about that. I'm not even emphasizing that. He, he is at work in our lives. And, and over in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, he says it so Plainly, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Yes, we have a battle with Satan. Do not misunderstand me. But he's focusing here that the battle is within us. The battle is not the battle against the world in which we live. Does the world tempt us? Absolutely. Absolutely. People around us, whether at school or, or in the store or at work, the, the world around us tells us you are to, should live just like the rest of us. You are to act just like the rest of us. Don't be a holy roller or something of that nature. They, that world is there working against us. But again, let me come back. The emphasis here is that the battle is not of the world. It's not about Satan's efforts, but it's about being yielded to the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't quit. No, it doesn't. Satan doesn't quit. You, you read the screw tape letters. C.S. Lewis says there's a junior demon sitting on everyone's shoulder whispering in your ears. I do believe he's pretty accurate with that. He doesn't quit on us. He doesn't leave us alone. But the emphasis here is the battle within me. I've come to believe that I'm my worst enemy. I can't blame the devil. I can't blame the world. I can't blame my family. 
I can't blame my past. I can't blame my upbringing. I have only one person to blame when I fall into sin. Me. I'm my worst enemy. My human, sinful nature, my flesh, wars within me. James talks about that over in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. He says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one of us is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. That's me. That's you. We have a battle going on inside us, and, and we have a choice, either yield and submit to the Holy Spirit... Or to our sinful nature. I have to be very careful to start each morning in prayer. I have to start there. I have to be prepared for this battle every day. I have told you in the past that Mondays are my worst day. Sundays I get on a spiritual high. I love preaching the word. I love teaching the word. I love being with God's people. I love being in church. But Mondays are my worst day. So I have to be careful to start every day being prepared for this battle. And since becoming a Christian, I understand that the Holy Spirit has to be in control of my life. He has to help me be the Christian I need to be. I need to continually follow His lead. Because if I don't, I will fall victim to my sinful nature. It's a daily choice. And there are times... It's more than one choice today. Paul writing again to the book, the Romans, Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The New American Standard says, Make no provisions for the flesh with regards to its lusts. The most effective way to oppose the desires of our human nature, the sinful nature, is to stop feeding what it enjoys. The surest way to fall into sin is to be in places where you shouldn't be. Where situations that you would be in, where the temptations come. Most of you in this room are old enough to remember Bob Harrington, the chaplain of Bourbon Street, where he would go in and, and witness uh, to the patrons and the dancers in these uh, strip joints. And I remember when I first heard about him, I said, there's a job I could not do. There's no way I could do that. Proves you have to have a, a special gift to be able to do that. There are some people who no longer can go around to the bars and witness to their old friends because the temptation is too strong to imbibe. But there are others who have ministries in those areas. We just have to know where the temptations are and where those places are that we just should not be because we cannot feed the old self. The safest way to avoid sin is not to be around it to start with. The solution to living in victory is to be led by the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and let God do His work in us. Paul says the battle here is between the old nature or the flesh or sinful nature, human desires, and the new natures or the Spirit. They oppose each other. 
It's a battle. And it's not necessarily battle in big areas. It can be in small things and things that we would consider unimportant. The Spirit of God can say to us, Daryl, I need time with you. And the flesh can say, I got up late this morning, Lord. I need to skip my quiet time. You see, the, the battle can be the Spirit saying, it's time to prepare for worship and Bible study. And the, the flesh can say, I'm really tired. I'm going to sleep in today. I'm, I'm behind on my chores, so I'm going to stay home and catch up on what I need to do. You see, the Spirit can be saying to us, you need to drop an extra offering in for a special mission project. Where the human nature says, man, I've been saving that money for a new toy. The Spirit says, I'm opening a door for you to witness today, to share the gospel with someone. And, and the human nature says, I'll mess up, Lord. I'll make, I'll, I'll make a fool of myself. I'll look silly. I'll let somebody else do it. You see, it's not necessarily the big things. It can be the small things, or we would think are small, where we fail in sin if we're not led by the Spirit and yielded to Him. Be led by the Spirit, follow His leading, and He will win the battle. But then He goes on and gives us a contrast here between the vices of the sinful nature and the virtues of the Spirit, verses 19 through 23. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. He says, these are the things that happen when the humans desire rule in your life. And Jesus made it clear that it's what comes from within a person that gives a person problem, that makes a person unclean. Let, again, let me read what Jesus said over in Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 20. He says, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean, for it is from within. Out of a man's heart comes evil thoughts and sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean what comes from in us our human sinful nature we're sinful by birth we're sinful because of what we do our hearts are, are sinful Jeremiah the prophet said over in chapter 17 verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things who can cure it and who can understand it we live in a culture where People tell you, just follow your heart. Well, I'll tell you what, your heart's going to deceive you and mislead you because it's sinful. Our world tells us that people are good. The Bible tells us we are sinful. We are depraved. We have a sinful human nature. A child psychiatrist said one time, all children are born juvenile delinquents and only with proper guidance early in life keeps them from becoming a juvenile delinquent. And only the work of the Spirit of God in us can control us and keep us from sinful acts. I, I want to just go through these words here briefly. I don't want to take a lot of time uh, talking about them. 
Uh, he also makes note that this list is not ex exhaustive because he, he ends with, and the like, in verse 21. But he talks about sinful sexual desires, and, and these affect everyone around us, uh, not just ourselves. Uh, a, sinful, a sexual misconduct is self-centered. It dishonors God. It, it violates God's plan for marriage. And quite honestly, it's just the opposite of love. He uses the word immorality, and that includes adultery, a homosexual relationship, any kind of sex outside of marriage between one man and one woman. Talks about impurity. That's a person who we call have a dirty mind or speech or addicted to pornography. Debauchery. That means a person has no shame. There's no modesty in their lives, and they flaunt their sex. And then he goes on to what I call religious sins in verse 20. He names idolatry, and that's worship anything but God himself. Human gods, man-made gods. All people worship something, someone, some way, somehow. Everyone has a god. He goes on and talks about witchcraft. This would be uh, evil power, uh, sorcery, horoscopes. And actually, the, the Greek word there is pharmakia, where we get the word pharmacy and deals with drugs. And I think it's, he's saying here that the, the evil pagan worship in that day included uh, drugs that would give them uh, hallucinations. Uh, and again, it's a sin against God. He goes on and talks about sins against people, hatred uh, that's self-defining, discord, someone who likes conflict and quarrels, jealousy, that's being resentful of somebody because someone succeeds when you don't, fits of rage and uncontrolled temper there, selfish ambition, that's me first generation, dissensions, person who causes divisions, factions, promoting heresy, and envy, and that, again, that's a, another word for covetousness. Then he goes to personal sins, and he talks about drunkenness, and that's when you lose control of your senses. He talks about orgies, and in those days, the orgies were more of a drunken party. In our day, it's about being rowdy and immoral, and, uh, and again, in that culture, it was tied to pagan worship. And Paul warns here that if that's how you live, you're not a Christian. In fact, J. Vernon McGee put it this way, he says, our Lord gave us the illustration of the prodigal son who had got down in the pig pen, but he didn't stay there. The only ones that stay in the pig pen are pigs. If a son gets there, he will be very unhappy until he gets out. If you continue to live in sin, you are in dangerous position because that means you're not a child of God. The Christian who sins feels miserable, lousy, and wants to repent and restore fellowship with God. No Christian can enjoy living in sin. And then the contrast to all that he said here is the fruit of the Spirit. person who, who lives in obedience to the Holy Spirit produces a beautiful fruit. And by the way, it is fruit singular, not plural. He's talking about all of this, the nine things here he talks about, as being one particular crop. And we could parallel it to growing a crop. When you plant a seed in the ground, it doesn't jump up the next day and be ready for harvest. It takes a while. It's gradual growth. It takes time. But it will grow. 
and it will produce a crop. And it will, the fruit that is produced shows that that stalk or that tree was alive. It shows that what's behind it is good. And, and that's what Jesus tells us to do. He, he lived by love. And that's the first one, isn't it? Love. If you recall, you've been here the last couple of times I've preached. Both messages ended with the word love. You can go back to chapter 5, verse 6 and chapter 5, verse 14. The Christian's life is defined by love. And here he emphasizes it even stronger. Love is that top virtue in our life. It is to flow from us freely. It's an agape love. It's God's love. It's a giving love. It's a purposeful love. It's not self-serving or self-seeking. These fruit that he's talking about here is what makes us Christ-like. The Holy Spirit working in us to shape us into a likeness of Christ. I hope each and every one of you right now is asking a question. Is my life defined by these nine spiritual fruit? Am I being productive? Paul lets us know when the Holy Spirit is in control of us. Whether we live by the Spirit, verse 16, or led by the Spirit, verse 18, keep in step with the Spirit, verse 25, this happens. It doesn't happen by law. Notice, even in verse 23, he says, against such things there is no law. I believe what he's saying there is you can't legislate these virtues into a person's life. The law will never ever produce these fruit in your life. Only the Spirit of God. Again, the question is the Spirit fruit showing up in your life. Is Christ-likeness growing in you? Now he ends this passage of Scripture, again, telling us that we're to put to death the sinful nature. Verse 24 through 26. He says there, Crucify the sin nature with its passions and its desires. Our hope in living victorious in the Christian life is to having Christ centered in us, having the Holy Spirit direct our lives. And we are to consider the old nature, the sinful nature, the flesh, as good as dead. We're to pay no attention to it at all. Don't even let it enter, enter your mind. Those of us who know Christ as Savior do not have to respond to that sinful nature. There is that choice. The Holy Spirit is giving us the guidance and direction and the power to have victory over sin so we do not live there. Yes, we're tempted. We never get past being tempted. Our human desires are still there. But we just need to keep reminding ourselves, I belong to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is in control of my life and that's how I'm going to live. Christ settled that issue when He went to the cross. Victory for us was found there in Christ. The old nature in some ways was crucified with Him on that cross. And we win the victory in our lives knowing that Christ has won the victory for us. Because of that, now you and I can have victory when temptation strikes, when the flesh rears its ugly head, because the Holy Spirit will give us the power to live in victory.
Mark Powers, in a book he wrote a few years back, going full circle, writes this, The message of the gospel calls Christians to a distinctive lifestyle. Without a distinctive lifestyle, it is almost impossible for the church to call unbelievers to a relationship with God. If our behavior is no different from those around us, how can we tell them that Christ will make a difference in their lives? God expects His followers to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. If these qualities do not signify our lives, how can we be significant in pointing others to God? Our distinctive lifestyle must be a beacon to our neighbors, our co-workers, and our friends. If you're a Christian today, I would believe most of you here are, you need to let the Holy Spirit be in control of your life. And I hope and trust that He is. But if you're fighting a battle with your sinful nature and the Spirit, yield to the Holy Spirit. Listen to Him. Ask Him for power to have victory over yourself. And if you're here and what we talked about today is foreign to you because you don't know Christ, you need to turn to Christ and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. And you'll understand what the battle we talked about is. The battle that goes on. Those of us who live by the Spirit, it's a daily battle. One day, one victory at a time. We can do it because this Holy Spirit gives us the ability and the power to live for our Lord and Savior. If the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning about an issue and you need to come pray, please feel free to do so. Uh, if there's something you need me to pray with you, I'm always available for that. Um, just do what the Spirit of God's asking you to do. Let's stand. Father, I want to say thank you for these few minutes we've had together. I want to thank you for your word, and I ask you to continue to speak to us and encourage us. Help us to lean on the Holy Spirit and let him guide each and every step of our lives. And we say thank you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
I want to thank you for your kind attention today. I appreciate it so very much. Um, to our guests, we're delighted you chose to be with us. I encourage you to come back at any time um, and, and worship with us again. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, encourage each and every one of us to let Jesus shine through us. Let the fruit of the Spirit be produced in us so that those around us can see and know that we are followers of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.